Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're gonna press on, and we're gonna have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney night, he's gonna find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. You're goofy. Don't piss me off, Art. Let's do this. Bucks, the Christmas edition. We're giving away stuff, and it looks like Drew has got caught by the Krampus on Krampus Knock because he is MIA. But right next to me is my good buddy Brandon. Brandon, what's going on, man? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Drew. Bah humbug to you, buddy boy. Got some cold feet right before we're getting ready to record, but nonetheless, Eric and I are going to lead you through a very Christmas-filled episode of Uncle and the Young Bucks. <laughs> Glad you guys are here listening and uh What's going on with you, man? How are you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, just trying to get ready for the holidays, uh, trying to lick the wounds of a terrible Brown season. Um, it, it's uh, it's just one thing after the next with that team. Uh, but no, I, just getting ready for the, the holidays. I don't know about you, but uh, we've got a lot of nice little traditions that we carry on in my family. I am uh, Latvian uh, of heritage, so we do a lot of different things every year. One of those is we make this thing called a P-Dog, which is kind of like, you know what a pierogi is, right? I love pierogies. Okay, well, it's not a pierogi, but that's the only way I can make a person that wouldn't know otherwise what a P-Dog is. It's kind right. of like a baked pierogi, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's uh, bacon and ham and garlic oh. and onion, and it's in a special dough that, you know, it's a very hearty dough. So I, I was making those for the family. I made about 250 of those bad boys, and uh, we're going to be having them for our, uh, our – it's part of our Christmas traditions. Uh, you got any traditions that you do for Christmas, Brandon? Well, my first tradition is expecting a FedEx package with some of that stuff coming to my front doorstep. I could I could do that on a yearly basis if you want to start sending some up north because that sounds fantastic. <laughs> they are really are good. good. Add bacon, ham, and throw it throw it on for, to get it baked. That sounds, that sounds well, interesting. Don't – don't call it a pierogi because we're not Polish, but they are, you know, I have nothing against pierogies, by the way, but uh, no, they're really good. Um, so, yeah, and then other than that, we're going down to uh, this year. My, my dad was gracious enough. He rented a house uh, in Sanibel, Florida, which is actually oh, yeah. an island. Uh, I love so Sanibel. I've been to Sanibel multiple Sanibel. times. Sanibel is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so we're going down there for Christmas in the entire week. Uh, it's going to be me, my brother, my sisters, my, my dad, my, and my stepmother. Uh, so we're going to be spending Christmas for the first time as a family together in, in a few years, actually. But this might be our first family vacation. And uh, oh, it might be since I was like 14 or 15. Like it's literally been that long. So Dang. what are you guys going? What are you doing for Christmas, man? I will be staying up north per usual. You're going to have to hold it down down south. Keep that nice weather flowing. Keep them positive vibes coming. I'm going to be up north. Uh, this weekend's going to be full of stuff. Saturday, I'm going to be. Uh, Heading down to Springboro, Ohio. That's south of Columbus to uh, have Christmas with my mom's side of the family. We're going to have lots of food, good food. And uh, then Sunday, I make it up to uh, Medina, Ohio, which is just south of Cleveland, near Cleveland. And uh, I'm going to be 
baking cookies all day with wait, my wait. girlfriend's side gotta, of the family. I got to stop you right there. You know, I grew up in Berea, so I know where Medina is. You don't have to hey, explain hey, 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 I where Medina is. <laughs> we have we have a, a national fan base of people tuning into this on a weekly basis. You know, we, we really got to nail down where these spe- right. specific places the are at. Yeah. Here's so, well, if you are listening to the Uncle and the Young Bucks podcast right now and you are outside the Cleveland area, I would like you to tweet at us at Uncle Young Bucks on Twitter and tell us where you're listening from because I am going to test Brandon's theory. <laughs> yep, it is going to be an interesting uh, an interesting weekend uh, prepping for, for Christmas. I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. I'm taking some PTO leading up to the holidays. And uh, nice, for nice. one of the traditions that uh, my girlfriend's family actually does, my girlfriend's family's chock full of good traditions, they play this game called the Dice Game when we go to their cabin in the middle of nowhere. It's like Millersburg area. Just no cell service. Everybody puts their phones away and actually gets to relax. I mentioned that on a previous podcast that we do that for Thanksgiving. And so I actually had to listen to the Buckeye game versus Michigan on uh, a radio, which was which was great. The Buckeyes kicked butt, so that was fun. But for Christmas, they do this game called back, the Dice back in, game. Back in my day, I used to listen <laughs> to the games on the radio. No, that was good. I like that impression. We're going to have to start utilizing that one a little bit more. <laughs> the uh, the Dice game, everybody brings uh, like gag gifts from... All everybody that comes brings gag gifts. So you'll have 50 gag gifts sitting in the middle of a ring of people, 30 people or so, and you roll dice. You have two dice. And if you hit doubles, you get to run into the middle of this giant pack of gifts and you get to put them into your stash. Nice. So the first 10 minutes, everybody's trying to roll doubles. You're passing around if you don't hit doubles. And so you constantly are getting to, to roll dice to, to win it, to win it win your uh, prizes the second half after that first 10 minutes you get to start stealing other people's gifts after all very the gifts from yes the very out. similar to something that my wife's family does except for we do it with bottles of alcohol liquor and wine <laughs> i mean that sounds good too so i mean it gets really competitive um everybody usually get one person gets picked on and they never are allowed to have a christmas present because anytime anybody uh, rolls a double, they'll run and steal a gift from them. So it ends up being a really competitive, fun game, and we enjoy that every year. Yeah, it's going to be a weird weekend. I mean, you think about it, we don't have any college football this weekend. Uh, we are in the, the doldrums, uh, you know, well, the very short doldrums of no college ball. Uh, thank God the Buckeyes, uh, you know, I'm okay with them being number two. I'm okay with LSU being number one. Uh, although I still say Ohio State is the most well-rounded, most balanced, and top to bottom, the best team in the country. Uh, I do think that it'll probably be you know OSU over Clemson. And I, I think just because Clemson hasn't faced anybody this year, and Ohio State has, so I think Ohio State's going to be more battle-tested. So I do think that's going to be a close game. Uh, but I, I do see Ohio State coming out on top, maybe an 8-11 to 11 point win over Clemson. Um, and then I, LSU, I don't think is going to have an issue with Oklahoma. And I do think the championship game is going to be LSU versus Ohio state. And I, and trying not to be a Homer, I, I honest to God think it's going to be the Buckeyes over LSU. And the difference in the game is going to be that LSU defense is ranked like, I think 35th. Um, that's going to be the difference in the game. Cause I think our offense can stay toe to toe with LSU's offense, but can, LSU's defense stay toe-to-toe with Ohio State's defense? And I think the answer is no. What are your thoughts about uh, college football before we start talking about some pros? 
I'm I'm very excited for for bowl games to be uh, to be coming up. Not just you know the Army Navy game was great. I love watching a game where they actually aren't allowed to pass the ball. <laughs> I thought that Go was Navy. A, that was a fun that was a fun. I'm game a to Navy watch. veteran, so yeah. I always for Navy, and uh, that is one of the best games. You you don't have to watch them all year round, and you still love no, that game. Yeah, it's it's a fun game to be a part of, no matter where you. What's your background? It's just really and, cool to watch. And that quarterback for Navy is something special, man. Wow, be, is that kid a freak athlete? I'd be remiss not to give a shout-out to my buddies Joe, Bruce, and Paul, who did a, the trek to Philadelphia to see the game. They're all Army guys, uh, so we'll forgive them for their idiocy. <laughs> but, uh, we thank them for their service. But I tell you what, they had a fantastic time of the game. So if you guys are listening, uh, you know, shout-out to you guys. And I'm really jealous because that is on the bucket list. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's for for greatest rivalries of all time. We know it well being Ohio State fans. We certainly think ours is, uh, you know, number one. But I would say in the top five, you definitely have to put the Army Navy rivalry, you know, in Army, that top Navy, five. Just, yeah. Army Navy, Auburn, Alabama, Yale, Oklahoma, Harvard, Texas, maybe. Eh, but still, the number one out there is, is Ohio State. Michigan. Oh, absolutely. I, and, and again, they're going to call people that are not fans of the Buckeyes or the Wolverines may say we're biased, but it, it really truly is the biggest game in college football when it matters for nothing. It's still the best game on TV that Saturday, any yeah. given Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And then getting into actual predictions for the game, I'm going to stick with uh, my early on prediction of uh, Ohio State and LSU facing each other in the national title game. And, uh, I honestly think the Buckeyes, um, although not favored by the national media in any of the teams that they would play other than maybe Oklahoma uh, in the Final Four, I, I think the Buckeyes will squeak by Clemson and then uh, will put up a very good fight against LSU and probably come out on top. Obviously, it's hard to to not like this Buckeye team when you've watched them every single Saturday this this yeah. whole year and seen the seen the destruction they've they've made on these excellent teams. What, what I want to pose to you as a question or more so just curious, how the hell did the Buckeyes go from the best team in college football to playing one half of football that was below average? And now they're the number, you know, number three team in the country. I know they're rated number two, but all the national it's, media polls have Clemson beating Ohio State. Clemson's Clemson's played the best team that Clemson has played is the seventh best team that Ohio State's played this year, the seventh yeah. you know, toughest game well, they've played this year. I think what happened is, you know, it, it's just a function of the media today because all those guys that are voting did not watch that Buckeye game. I mean, l let's just be honest. So they're just going based upon what one guy said. Very much like, you know, the game of tag that Mike Silver sets on fire every week with the Browns. You know, oh, he says something Mike and it just, you know, by the time it's done and over with, it becomes a disastrous story. But it's kind of the same thing with the Buckeyes. You know, they didn't watch the game. Had they watched the game, they would have seen exactly what happened. And it, had they watched the second half of that game, they would have realized that Ryan Day came out, made adjustments, and the Buckeyes owned Wisconsin that second half. I oh, mean, it was pitiful for so, them. It, I but, feel bad you know, for Wisconsin fans. Oh, yeah. But you know what, though? That was good to see because what it showed is that, one, Ryan Day can make those adjustments when there's a little bit of adversity. And two, it, it showed just how complete that team is. I mean, my God, were they so good in that second half. If you just took out the first half of that game, oh, the Buckeyes would still be number one. But to our favor, 
If I'm not mistaken, I do not think the number one seed has ever won the national championship since the playoffs been instituted. Really? Alabama wasn't uh, a number one seed one of the years that they won it? No. I know Clemson was not the number one seed last year when they won, but I'm surprised Alabama didn't do one of those number one seeds and then and then get one of those college well, when, football playoffs. When we won the first one, we were actually the four seed. We were the four seed, yep. Yep, I remember that. Who who doesn't remember that, man? What a freaking... And this is honestly setting up to be another phenomenal run where you're going to have to go through the best two teams in the college football playoffs outside of Ohio State themselves rather than, you know, I don't know, 2015... I think it was 2015, we set ourselves up by beating Alabama, and then it seemed like we had already won the national title. I know that's not how, you know, the team treated it, but playing against Oregon felt like a consolation prize to to actually beating Alabama and beating the best team out of the, you know, in the college football playoffs that year. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm hoping for a year where we can actually run through Clemson, not like how much they ran through us in 2016. What was that? Different team, different team, different team. Absolutely. uh, There's, there's no way I could ever see this team not scoring a point yeah. in a game against anybody, against an NFL team. We would yeah, absolutely and, score a point. And the biggest thing is, and most most regular casual fans don't understand about college football, is every year the teams are completely different. Hell, some college programs, week to week to week, they're different teams because, again, they, they've got, you know, some programs have over 120 kids on the sideline, i.e. the, the Buckeyes. You know, they've got so many players out there, so they can literally change the personnel and the, 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 the personality of a team week to week, but definitely from year to year to year. So I don't care that Clemson took, it, took us to the woodshed and beat us 31 nothing two years ago. It, it matters for nothing. Um, this year, completely different team. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be some great football. So highly, highly looking forward to that. Hey, before, um, before we jump to the pro game, I want to get your opinion on, and I'm big into the the college football recruiting rankings. Did you see the uh, recent uh, rankings that have came out for Buckeyes 2020 class? Have you been following yeah, that got, at all? Yeah, uh, we ranked three, and I think Clemson. No, did Clemson get the first? Yeah, I think Clemson was Clemson number one. Clemson won the recruiting we, title. Yes, according yeah, to 24/7. And it's those are paper tigers. I mean, yes, the 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 recruiting rankings matter. You know, just because from a media standpoint, but really when it comes down to it, if hell, if Ryan Day went out there and got a bunch of three and four star recruits and he coached them up, I don't give a crap if LSU or Clemson and Alabama had all the five star recruits. If they don't have the coaching, you know, they're not going to do anything with it. Uh, Collection of talent is just that. We know that from the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, ask ask Texas how their awesome recruiting classes have done in recent years. That that's the point in case now. Now I say that uh, I brought up LSU and I brought up Clemson and Alabama, but the the thing is, is they are getting you know four or five star recruits, but they also have the coaching to go with it. Which Ryan Day so far seems to prove that he is one hell of a coach. Which thank God because I will tell you when he was named coach, I was very nervous. Uh, no, I'm really excited, you know, but uh, and I'm thankful I didn't see too many idiots, you know, tweeting out to 17 and 18 year old kids. You know, because they didn't commit to be a Buckeye or commit to be a uh, Fighting Irish or commit to yep. be on the Crimson Tide. I'm glad I, I, at least the people I follow on Twitter, I was glad to see that we didn't have a ton of morons out there tweeting at these kids because uh, that just angers me. Because you know, I think we we missed the point that these are children. I mean, you said they're kids. 
These kids are, I mean, they're 17, 18 years old when they're making these decisions and they don't even understand how much it's going to affect the rest of their lives. How, how, how can you get so, mad at these people for, you know, for making a decision one way or the other? It's not like it should directly go against you. And the Buckeyes, you know, the Buckeyes killed it. It just, yeah, they, it just speaks very highly of Ryan Day. So, um, you know, hey, and not moving on from college football, but what did you think about the Heisman and our, our buddy Drew you know, I, I hope the Krampus brings him back. I, I really do. Drew, <laughs> hey, we miss you. Uh, but our buddy Drew, you know, he's from uh, southeastern Ohio. And, and uh, the Heisman winner. Uh, Joey B. Joe Burrow. Shout out to Athens. I mean, he he won it. He deserved it. Uh, Absolutely. And, but yeah. It was – it's going to sound weird. And I know a lot of fans will say, you know, that I'm an idiot for saying this. But I took a ton of pride and knowing that there were technically three Buckeyes up on that stage at one time, because Joe Burrow is an Ohio State graduate. He's a graduate. Know, yeah. Uh, you know, people want to poo-poo that, but he did play for the Buckeyes for three years, and he did graduate from the Ohio State University. And if I do rec- recall correctly, he actually did mention uh, Ohio State in his acceptance speech. Very well-deserving. Uh, Ohio I wish- State, and he even drove uh, drove donations to his hometown of Athens and raised, if if I Dude. saw correctly, two hundred sixty thousand dollars of money for Dude. Athens. Huge. He's what a, a great person. Absolutely. I know it's fantastic, and you know it, it's. I know he wanted to go to Nebraska. He went to Ohio State. He transferred to LSU. The story is just phenomenal. Um, I think he's going to be a phenomenal pro. He just has that game that's going to translate to the pro game easily. I agree. Which scares so, the crap out of me. Yeah, the Bengals it, are picking it, first oh, overall. If he goes to the Bengals, you know, if I'm the Bengals, I'd be hard-pressed to pick between him and Chase Young. However, it looks like Chase Young, he says he's staying at Ohio State. Uh, no, but, that's, that's going to change. Well, you know, you got to take him at what at his word. Well, uh, he, says he's staying he Ohio State. that statement, that statement that came out, and I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about, that statement where he said, you know, I plan, the plan is to return. He yeah. corrected that. He said, I, I misanswered. What I was just trying to say is I'm focused on, you know, just playing Clemson right now. I'm focused on this year. I'm not okay. trying to focus my attention past this year. That's so he hairs. did redact that a little bit. Yeah, well, that's splitting hairs. I mean, it's 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 neither here or near right now. But with regards to the Heisman, you know, it was nice to see Justin Fields get the recognition because he really deserved it. Only throwing one pick all year was just phenomenal. He had one of the best seasons. He may end up setting the TD to, to interception ratio when it's all said and done. I think all he has to do is throw two more touchdowns, and he has the NCAA record for that. Uh, again, we talked about it all year on how he's never playing in the second half of games. So imagine what his stats would be had he played all four quarters. Joe Burrow wouldn't have sniffed the Heisman stage if uh, Fields had been able to play all those games. But again, I, and that's not taking anything away from Burrow because Burrow was totally yeah, absolutely. Deserved. He is the Heisman this year. Chase Young, I think what happened was Chase Young and Justin Fields took uh, votes away from each other because they're both on the same team. And I think Chase Young's performance against Wisconsin and against Michigan hurt his chances of winning. But if you go back and watch, and this is what drives me nuts about the voters in college football, I don't think people actually watch the game. Chase Young was getting triple teamed. Yeah, absolutely. Triple teamed. The Wisconsin and Michigan were taking chances with all our other guys just to focus on Chase Young and, and eliminate him from the game plan. So uh, Chase Young is just a freaking beast. Uh, true story. They just had the college football awards down here in Atlanta. Um, I won't go into too many details, but my wife 
uh, was uh, privy to meet a lot of the participants and a lot of the award winners. And oh, I will, I am happy to report that she said that the Ohio State boys and, and, and many of the other boys, too, were phenomenal people, just phenomenal people. She said they were extremely polite. Uh, they just they, they were upstanding gentlemen to her. And, you know, a lot of times you can judge a person by the way they treat people that they perceive as beneath them or, yeah. you know, or the and, media could perceive as beneath them. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And she said they were not that way at all. They were extremely mindful, respectful, polite. Uh, and she even said she gave them an OH and they, all three of them returned their IO. Uh, That's what I like to hear. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Trying to remember who she said it was. It was Chase Chung. It was Justin Fields, and I want to say it was Akunda. Uh, that was Akuda. also yeah, there. Yeah, he was Akuda. there. I, was, I saw Akuda. the pictures of those three. Um, but she said they were just they were as nice as could be. So I, I'm happy to report that. But uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a great weekend, um, and the the awards went all around. And I'm very happy for, uh, like I said, I'm very happy for Joe Burrow, and I'm very happy for Athens. Uh, I mean, guys, if you're listening, uh, go back and, and see Joe Burrow's acceptance speech and and how emotional he got he got talking about southeastern Ohio. And that's why I w- wish Drew was here today, because he can kind of enlighten us too a little bit about, you know, growing up in that area. Uh, so congratulations to Joe and, and thank you, Joe, for what you did for uh, southeastern Ohio, Athens in particular. Um, that was just kudos, man. Joe, you you, you make a great, a great uh role model for 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 ohio and uh, we really appreciate that so that's that's awesome and you know i couldn't be couldn't be more happy to say he's from ohio he graduated from ohio state he's got you know he's got us running through his blood so that's good to see and and i do think he translates extremely well at the next level speaking of the next all right next level before we get back to the browns speaking of the browns we have one little bit of business we've got to do drum roll please want to announce we ran a little twitter contest this week um where we had two extra tickets to this weekend's ravens browns game uh thank you brandon and drew uh but we gave those out over twitter and we asked you to tell us why uh to nominate somebody that was deserving and tell us why and we had a really decent response on twitter and uh we wanted to try to make someone's christmas a a nice one so without further ado brandon you want to announce who won those pair of tickets to the ravens versus browns this weekend Absolutely. Sitting in an awesome spot, might I add. So winning the tickets is simply at simply Tarantino. Tiffany, we are very excited for you to get the tickets. And it looks like you and your dad are going to have an awesome time with what looks like better weather than what we're having right now. So we're really excited to get those to you. Make sure to DM us on our at uncle and the young bucks Twitter page, and we'll get that information over to you as soon as possible. But we're really excited that uh, we were able to do this, uh, you know, it seemed like a lot of people uh, had a great response and, you know, we're telling stories how, you know, they weren't able to make it to games this year. And we're really excited to do more giveaways like this in the future to be able to help out all Browns fans like you guys who are, you know, whether it's you can't afford it or didn't have the time or, or place to do it. We're, we're, we're wanting to make sure that everybody gets the chance to go see this team that's brought so much joy to all of us and <laughs> so much pain and sadness, too. But that's what makes the joy so good. So uh, at Simply Tarantino, we're uh, we're really excited to give you your tickets. And, yeah. Uh, DM and one more anymore. thing. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, that's uh, that's, that's fine. We just wanted to let Tiffany know that uh, 
expect to hear from us. And if, if you don't, then uh, make sure to DM us and we will get in contact with you as soon as possible. So thank you, Tiffany, and everybody else who participated. Yeah, Take and, it away, uh, Eric. Oh, I was going to say, and Tiffany, do us a favor. When you're at the game, take a picture, take a selfie, do do whatever uh, from the seats that you want from us and tag us in Twitter. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, we thank you uh, for following us and we thank you for listening. And then uh, she gets to go and watch the game that we're about to talk about this weekend. She's going to see the Ravens, the uh, the 12 and 2 Ravens that we beat pretty handily, I might add, the first time around this weekend uh, versus the Browns. It's uh, it's been quite an eventful uh, month for the Browns. You know, you you're two and six. You rattle off four straight. Uh, you, then you crap the bed versus Arizona last weekend. I, I man, I tell you, this team is infuriating, and the. I actually had to take a Twitter break because the idiocy that I see on Twitter sometimes drives me nuts because people try to tell us how to be fans. Well, guys, we were seven, eight and one last year, and there's a very real possibility that we could be either eight and eight, seven and eight. God forbid we could be, you know, well, no, we can't. Yeah, we can be six and ten, right? Am I doing my math right? Yikes. Yes, we technically could be, which would be. Yowza. But I mean, at you the think same about that. time, hey, I, I know, saying, but this it, is important. This is okay. important. At the same time, there is still a path for the Browns to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's all fine and good. <laughs> they make the playoffs with at eight and eight. And actually, the most bombastic thing that has to happen for us to make the playoffs is us to beat Baltimore this weekend. Everything else hinges on that. Because the other eight things that, or the other seven things that have to happen actually all have a very good chance of happening. Um, I, I don't agree remember. with that other than the Jets beating the Steelers. I'm looking at it right now. Dustin Fox tweeted it, courtesy at Dustin Fox 37. Week 16, the Browns need to beat the Ravens. That's the toughest one on this whole list of eight things. The Jets need to beat the Steelers. Saints beat the Titans. Colts beat the Panthers. I think the Colts beat the Panthers. The Saints are definitely expected to beat the Titans. However, the Jets would not be favored to beat the Steelers. So the Browns beating the Ravens and the Jets beating the Steelers are the two big things that if they swayed our direction, it is a very real possibility that we could do this. And then in week 17, we need to beat the Bengals, which I would say is expected. The Ravens need to beat the Steelers, also expected. They're probably going to be fighting for the number one spot in the AFC, if, especially if they lose to us in the previous week in week 16. Texans need to beat the Titans, very real and possible. Uh, and then lastly, Colts need to beat the Jaguars, which uh, I could also see, I would say, probably would be favored to win that game. So there yeah. are some, as stupid as it sounds and as bad as this team has been all year, there is still a somewhat realistic path to the to the playoffs. But, I mean, it absolutely just starts with beating the Ravens. I mean, it's, it's that simple. You can't do it if you don't beat the Ravens. So previewing the game... Eric, what do you think is the outcome? In all honesty, what do you think is the outcome of this game? Because well, if, if I'm being I, honest, I don't think it ends pretty. No, and I don't think so either. And I'm eating crow on Lamar Jackson, and and I and look, there there's one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement here. And Still not an accurate think, quarterback. No, well, here's the thing: he can be a phenomenal player and a winner, and still be a terrible quarterback. 
And I'm talking about in the traditional sense. He still has the mo- one of the most unorthodox throwing motions. And look, it's effective. So I can't say he it's not working. Maybe he's redefining what a good quarterback is. And but I do I, I owe the man an apology. Not that he's ever going to listen to this. Uh, but look, he's proving me wrong. And and he. But the only thing that still scares me about it is you know we've seen this before. Uh, I mean, Tim Tebow, uh, you know, they figure him out really quick. Colin Kaepernick, when, and I don't want to get into him, but, you know, again, they, they figured him out really quick. You know, is, is Lamar going to be able to keep this up or is he going to be a flash in the pan? Uh, you know, there's reasons that quarterbacks, they, they, you know, we get these running quarterbacks that are extremely athletic and light the league on fire for a season or two, and then they come back to the pack because, quarterback playing the NFL always comes back to, can you drop back in the pocket and throw the ball? Um, I, I don't know, but right now he is the MVP. Uh, he's having a phenomenal season. Kudos to Lamar Jackson. I, you know, he's just, he's mind blowing to watch right now. He's very reminiscent of Michael Vick in his heyday. Um, but I, I don't see things going well this week for us. Uh, um, not with the way we are playing and, and not with the way one particular Baker Mayfield's playing. I saw a tweet today. I don't know if you saw this one, Brandon. Uh, it was from Hayden Grove at H underscore Grove on Twitter. You may know him from the Plain Dealer. I do. Actually, I, and I actually know Hayden. He's a great guy. Have you ever heard him sing? He's a yeah, phenomenal say, singer, by the way. He's got an incredible voice, if I, if I remember correctly, yeah, right? He does. And I digress, though. But he sent out this tweet. And he said, he said, thoughts on the, these stat lines. And he showed the two stat lines for Jarvis and Odell side by side. Uh, receptions, 74-67. Targets, 123 and 121. Yards, 1,018 versus 910. Averages are 13.8 and 13.6. And I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Because in a vacuum, you look at Odell's stats and, and Jarvis's stats, and you're like, man, those are two phenomenal receivers. But the one thing that sticks out is the targets versus receptions. And Jarvis Landry's not getting hammered. He's got 74 receptions and 123 targets. Odell's got 67 receptions and 121 targets. That is not indicative or an indictment on either of those two receivers. I think that that actually is more an indictment on how Baker Mayfield has played this year. What do you think about that? Did you see that? I, don't, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I did see the tweet and looking at the stats, uh, I think plays to both not only uh, Baker Mayfield, but also the receivers. There has been some problems with dropping the ball from both Jarvis and Odell. I would say, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird, but these guys absolutely shine in, in the spotlight of making these incredible dazzling catches. But sometimes the fundamental stuff, the, catching a screen pass or your quick slant stuff that's hitting you in the hands or maybe just like a slight bit behind you they've had trouble holding on to those yeah, balls but you at know a what, high though? rate compared to what you know receivers at their level usually do but a yeah. lot of that and more those of it balls, goes to baker i know but when you're throwing a ball behind a man uh you know even though i think what we are spoiled by is we're so used to seeing jarvis and odell make these circus catches because they've done it throughout their entire careers but Man, that's hard. I mean, Baker throw one. He throws a hard ball, but I've seen passes thrown behind. I've seen them throw high. He's had a major issue 
with his touch on passes this year. Accuracy's been garbage for him this year, and it's it's surprising everyone at this point. Yeah, just because the ball hits Odell's hand doesn't mean he's going to catch it. You know, or there there was a drop last week on, that was on Odell that was pretty. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. I'm not but talking about the, the old in, raggedy man where it barely touches the tip of your finger and then you get all angry because he didn't catch the ball. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about stuff that me and you look at each other after yeah. the play and would say, "Dang, he should have definitely but, had." But that. realistically, if you look at all those numbers, that uh, number of passes and drops that we've seen and we said that, realistically, go back and look at them because I have. If you if there were four drops in a game by Odell, maybe one of them you go, oh my god, he should have really honestly caught that. But the other three, they were literally either overthrown, thrown too hard, or thrown behind. Something was wrong with the pass. Oh, absolutely. and that's what I'm I, saying. I, agree. I wasn't done yeah. when I was. I, I was saying first off, receivers need to improve on some of the non-circus catches. But second, and I think more importantly, which is what you're alluding to, is Baker Mayfield's accuracy and his connections and timing with the receiver have been so off this year, particularly with Odell. Timing with Odell has been non-existent. At least the timing with Jarvis is decent. It's just that his accuracy hasn't been there. Um, But I mean, the majority of it goes to Baker. What did you think about Baker's comments today? Which comments in particular are you referring the, to? The ones he was talking about how they could do better in uh, in uh, off season training, uh, it, it, and you know where they could put in more work. Uh, it was really damning, I and mean, it was something that we all talked about. We've been saying it all season on how they weren't putting the work in, and they 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 weren't timed up, they weren't synced up. And the first four games that we saw were just it was horrible, and it hasn't gotten better through the season. Um, and then Baker kind of came out today and he, he kind of admitted as much. Yeah, I mean, anyone who saw Baker play last year and then has seen him play this year, at least in my head to me, I feel like something didn't click with him this offseason. And maybe, and I'm not going to question the guy's work ethic, but something happened between last year and this year. Was it because he was doing too many commercials? You know, all the 50 progressive commercials that come on after he throws an interception that are absolutely horrifically timed. If you're watching the game on TV, I mean, was he spending too much time doing other things? I don't know. I'm not going to try to speculate on that, but, but it worries me to see him regress in this fashion. And I agree. I do think maybe more work needs to be put on the off season. Obviously it's, tough to do that with Odell because of the timing around it all happening and you know it wasn't like the season ended and then boom Odell was in our hands you know it was something that was a process that you know happened during the offseason so after this season ends coming up I'm assuming probably in two weeks I don't expect this team to make the playoffs this these guys take your time go have fun for a little bit but get back together and start working on that stuff this team is going to run absolutely run through Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., and Baker Mayfield. And, and we haven't you don't need Nick talked Chubb. about Nick Chubb because and you don't need Nick Chubb all the other nonsense. Because he's, he's there. He's doing everything he needs to do. That guy knows what he's doing. He's going to be exactly where he needs to be no matter what. I'm not concerned about him. Yeah. It's the other three that I have some concerns about. I, it's crazy that we have a player like Nick Chubb that is getting mentioned with the likes of Jim Brown. By the way, he is the he and Jim Brown are the only two – Cleveland Brown running backs to have ever rushed for fourteen hundred yards or more. Kudos. Yeah, he still to got that. two yard two two games where he could, he could you know easily, easily put up hundred yards. Sixteen. Yeah, he could easily eclipse sixteen hundred yeah. yards, which would be amazing. And not that I want to walk around prancing and doing a champion's pose, but I'm going to right here. 
I said last year when we drafted him, look, I live in Georgia, so I saw a lot of Georgia Bulldogs football. And uh, I, when we drafted him, I said 100% he is the best running back in the draft. Everyone laughed at me saying, oh, no, it's Saquon Barkley. Look, Barkley is awesome, but I still think he's more Reggie Bush than he is, you know, anybody else. That's, that's the guy I liken him to. And so far, guess who has been proven right? Hmm. Uh, Chubb has been freaking phenomenal. Then again, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, sit there and look the other way to acknowledge something. The Giants' offensive line totally sucks, and they have no threats in the passing uh, game. Don't try to act like don't. We try have to act a like crappy Chubb offensive line too. Better setup. Though. No, we have a terrible Nick offensive Chubb's, line. No, don't that's sit a there and say take. that Nick Chubb's setup isn't better than oh, God, Saquon Barkley. That's a terrible take. That's a no terrible way. Take. You're yeah, telling me Daniel take. Jones is getting respect by all these DBs? That's bull crap. Absolute bullcrap and blasphemy. If if no, but this Eli Manning the and, Giants and, line isn't better than the Browns line. I mean, hell, we traded Kevin Zeitler to the Giants for God's sake. Wouldn't you they love had to the have worst line in offensive in, in in the entire league last year? One guy yeah, doesn't make that big of a difference. Yeah, and guess what? What right now? I mean, we have other than Treader and Batonio, and Joel Batonio, two fifths of your that's it. line is pro. That's it. That's it. Forty percent of our line, but the the other three the Giants are terrible in the Pro Bowl. I'm gonna guess zero. I don't know if Zeitler made the Pro Bowl or not, but I'm gonna guess zero people on their line are oh. in the Pro Bowl. We've got that's neither here nor there. We look. The Browns have plenty of issues, and I think a lot of it does revolve around Baker, and then a huge part of it revolves around Freddie and the play calling, which I don't even want to get into the play calling in the Arizona game because I was, I think I, I think what's making me mad is that. I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we were seven, eight, and one last year. If we end up going eight and eight and squeaking into the playoffs, the playoffs will make me happy. But a half game improvement over last year with the tools that we added to this team, specifically Odell Beckham, I I am extremely disappointed in the progress this season. And to any fan that poo-poos me being angry about a six and ten. Seven and nine or eight and eight season, man. If you're not upset, you've got issues, buddy. Because you, you know what, be. you you should have higher expectations. If you don't expect more, you'll accept less, and that's that drives me nuts. Why shouldn't we, as bronze fans, expect more? I'm tired of accepting a subpar product and poor performances by the Browns year in and year out. And Brandon, I know you're younger than I am. You've got to be tired of it too. I don't know how tired you younger fans, you, I don't know how you younger fans you are saw, even fans. And any, anytime, anytime I talk to somebody who's maybe, you know, 15, 20 years older than me, I at least can talk to them about the Browns and say, Hey, remember the days when they were good. I don't remember them, but I can tell them that because they actually do remember when they used yeah. to be good since my birth. They have been dog crap. The There's Browns been nothing. are going to be the win. only There's NFL been one or two team. winning seasons since I've been alive. I was just going to say the Browns are the only NFL team not to have had a winning record any season this decade. And that's only because Derek Anderson's 10 and 6 year was that 2006 or 2007 was the only year that that happened. Uh, it, it, uh, um, when you think about those stats and how bad it's been, it's been pathetic. But going back to this weekend's game, uh, you know, again, we touched on Lamar Jackson. You got, you know, the defense is very, very good. Mark Ingram is, 
you know, having this resurgence, we said that the Ravens would be leading the NFL in rushing. It, it didn't take a rocket science scientist to figure that one out before the season started. Um, yeah, Brandon, uh, Tiffany, I hope you enjoy the game, but I, I don't see this being a win. Uh, I man, I, I think the Ravens are going to put the, the hurt on us a little bit, and I hate saying it, but I think they're going to return the favor to what we did to them. On that first game, I could see this being like a two-score runaway. Nah, I could see it being a little bit more than a two-score runaway, if you want me to be honest. I think the only thing that plays into our favor here is that we would probably like to run the ball, and I would imagine so would the Ravens, so the clock would be moving fast. So that's one thing <laughs> that plays to our uh, plays to our benefit is that we're not going to have, hopefully, a, an utter destruction where you know they're putting up like 60 points like they well, did against the Dolphins. But uh you know, I definitely don't see us coming out the winner on the other side. And while yeah. I do not think that Lamar Jackson is, as you said, a very great pro-style quarterback in terms of accuracy with passing or fundamentals, he is yeah. absolutely the MVP this year. He has been the best player on the best team in football. And it terrifies me knowing that the Steelers are arguably better than us this year. I mean, they beat us once this year with an absolutely depleted roster. The Ravens are a better team than us, whether or not we beat them. And they have a young quarterback that can do this for years to come. What happens when the Bengals potentially draft Joe Burrows, who we both think is going to be an excellent professional quarterback? Oh, he's going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. And we're sitting here with a Baker Mayfield that's regressed in his second year and an offense who doesn't have an identity and a defense that got progressively worse over the season and isn't paying great players on their team to return. That's a tough position to look it's, at. If the you're a AFC fan. North, I mean, the AFC North is going to still yet and some more be a gauntlet. Uh, you know, I think Baker's going to be fine. Uh, to I this sure weekend in particular, so, I, I, I really, really, truly do. And if, I remember, and I'm on record saying I wasn't a Baker Mayfield fan when we drafted him, but he's a Cleveland Brown now, and now I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan because I he proved me wrong last year, and I have hope. So. Uh, but going back to this weekend, I think the way that we stay competitive with the Ravens is with Hunt and Chubb. I think what we have to do is we need to limit Lamar's field time because what happens with that Ravens offense, they score quickly. Uh, so let them score quickly. But what we need to do is we need to have time-consuming drives that pay off in touchdowns. So we need to see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the field at the same time, handing the ball off to either one, keep the Ravens' defense guessing. Uh, you know, embrace the fact that the Cleveland Browns are a running team. Freddie Kitchens, if you're listening, we are a running <laughs> team. Give Nick Chubb the ball, oh, and then the, I hear the Freddie, idiots already. Freddie, I hear Freddie. the idiots already saying Nick Chubb. He he's got he Nick Chubb. He's got the second most carries in the NFL. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. But you know yeah. what? And you are not with a brain in the right situations. Him. We're third and one, and we're passing the damn ball. Hand the ball off to Chubb or Hunt. I mean, come on. It's not rocket science, guys. No, nah, it's it's incredible. What we, we, we run plays on the wrong downs. On first and 10, we'll constantly throw the ball, and it'll be an incomplete pass. And then on second and 10, the worst play you can call is a run on second and 10. And we do or it more than any team in that football. That stupid sweep. How many times have you seen him call that sweep? Yeah, uh, or the pitch not, forward not the or the stupid uh, screens. Yeah, you're, I'm talking about the play where they 
toss it to Hunt, and Hunt hands it off yep. to Landry, and Landry goes around on the backside, and it's like, guys, what are End you rounds, doing? reverses, the, the quick little pitches in front to Jarvis, you know, these plays that yeah. are absolutely set to be negative it's, yardage or 80-yard touchdowns, we'll do it on third down. Else. Yeah, it's Freddie, Freddie thinking the dumbest guy everybody. on the field, tries to outsmart everyone well, on the field, and ends up just making himself this and this team look like idiots. Yeah, like I said, this weekend, all they really need to do is just run the ball and and have successful, sustained drives. You know, hey, Baltimore's going to score. Let them. Let them score quick. That's what they do. But when you get the ball, just march it down the field, slowly but surely run it down, score touchdowns, and keep up that way. Because if you're eating the clock and you're being successful eating the clock and it's ending in pay dirt, you're going to stay with the Ravens. I mean, you're going to do it. That's how you beat the Ravens this game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to come with shutting down Lamar Jackson again, too, like like we did, you know, in the previous one. I mean, Lamar had thrown leading into that game, I think uh, it was like 160 or 170-something uh, passes in a row without an interception, or maybe it was even completions without uh, an, an interception or something. It was a very impressive stat line. And then what we I think we picked him off two or three times in that game. And that completely changed the dynamic of it. We created turnovers, even when Ingram was running the ball. I think we, we forced a, a turnover from that. Uh, Lamar had muffled a, a few snaps. I mean, everything was really working in our direction on the defensive side of the ball where we were creating turnovers. And, you know, if we can't get that going, which this team hasn't, you know, hasn't had a very consistent, clip of being able to turn the ball over on defense i know there have been a few games uh a few game stretches where we were able to do it but consistently i I don't see this team being able to create fumble opportunities or to pick people off unless we're playing against third or four string quarterbacks and and believe me the best player in the league right now is no four string quarterback this guy's here to play we are uh we're running a little long here but let's let's touch on a couple things we're hoping that santa brings us a a dead rat bird in our bag and our stocking this weekend. That would be a Beautiful. fantastic. Uh, my birthday is on Monday, so you know that would be a fantastic birthday gift. Browns, please, you don't ever Ooh. give me many of them on my birthday, so please, I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> victory uh, Monday. Victory Monday nice. would be a birthday victory Monday, which I'd be so happy with. So, uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to touch on real quick, and I don't want to belabor it because I, I, I just not in the mood for anger right now. Um, Real quick, what were your thoughts on the Indians trading Corey Kluber away for Delano DeShields and Classe? I I know absolutely nothing about those two players. You know, I'm I follow Major League Baseball, but to say that I I know a lot about them, you know, would be just false. I think it's the right time to trade Corey Kluber, but based upon the reports that I've seen and the people that I trust with information like this, they're saying that we probably underachieved in this trade. And, and you know, that sucks because if this team would have been able to move him last year prior to him getting injured, I think the return could have been almost doubled for what yeah. we're looking at right now. And, but, you know, timing's everything, and, and he well, got injured and injured again. And, you know, it's Well, the injury to, was a freak injury. From that stuff. You can't. You can't hold the broken arm. Oh, broken I'm not. Arm against I'm not. I'm not um, hurting or you know faulting the Indians for that. It's just you know hindsight's 2020. 20. It would have been a much more lucrative deal for us had we have done it you know a year ago. And the pitching is incredible, incredible right now. I don't think it's necessarily a huge loss for this team to you know to miss him because of the incredible I'm, pitching efforts that we've got by Clevenger, Bieber, and uh, Carrasco. I think we're gonna miss having this kind of a guy, this kind of an arm in yeah. your in your squad, but. You know, we did all right last year, even with injuries to every part of our team. I'm talking um, 
every part of it. I knew it was coming. I, yeah. I, I knew it was coming. It was. Uh, it doesn't mean that I, I like it at all. I mean, two-time Cy Young Award winner uh, that we traded away. It just to an Indians fan, and I've always told you that baseball is my first love. I love the Browns. I mean, it, you know, they're 1A, 1B for me, and they they alternate uh, which team is my favorite. Uh, but it, it it it's I stutter because it's eerily similar to trading away CC Sabathia, trading away Cliff Lee, Cliff Lee, trading away Victor Martinez. These are not only all-stars and major award winners, but these were players that, you know, the Indians fan base loved. Their identities and, to your team. Yeah, and it just, it kills me. And my buddy Marcus, is a, he knows a ton of baseball, respect his baseball opinions, uh, you know, more than almost anybody else. And, and he's okay with the trade. And and he agrees with you. He thinks it should have been done sooner. And I know it's because we're just playing in the market with, with and having Dolan as our owner. But, man, I tell you, I just get so tired of us not being able to retain these players. And now all the trade rumors with uh, Frankie uh, Lindor. And it, it's it's going to kill it. I mean, baseball, the way it's built, I mean, it is literally the haves or haves not. The only nice thing about baseball is the team that doesn't spend any money. You know, you think about Kansas City a few years ago, Tampa Bay before that. You can win it by not spending money, but you have got to hit on all these trades. And the Indians have been fantastic at turning these trades into fantastic players. Best team in baseball probably with trades over the last decade in terms of the returns they've gotten. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and, you know, again, so the reliever that we got in in, uh, exchange for – uh, Corey is, I, and I'm going to, I, I have already mispronounced his name once. I, I don't know if it's Claze or Claza. Uh, it, it is uh, Latino. I just don't know how to pronounce it. And I apologize for that, but he throws it in three digits. I mean, he's hitting the low one. Dude throws the smoke. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the reason they did that and they took the chance because there's a new rule coming at baseball and I'll make this really quick. I don't want to belabor the baseball talk right now. Cause you know, we got a little bit of time before pitchers and catchers report, but uh, the new rule coming into play is where a reliever comes in, they have to face a minimum of three batters. So I'm wondering if the Indians are getting out in front and by trading away a starter. But I think what they're doing is they're getting out in front of this. And by getting some relievers, I'm wondering if they're just being smart about it. You know, hey, we're going to have to play our bullpens a lot differently. So I'm wondering if that played into it. I don't know. I'm not happy about it. I get it. I understand it. But I'm not happy about it. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like I said, he's an identity to your team. He means a whole lot to the community and and people that really like the Indians. I mean, he's one of the people that you just, when you think of the Cleveland Indians, you think of Francisco Lindor, Corey Kluber. Those are 1A and 1B. And to lose that important part of your franchise, it's going to be tough. And I think if you see Frankie go, and we're not going to get in depth with this, but if you see Frankie go, I think there's going to be a real, real pushback by fans. I'll leave it at that. Do you want to close with some quick, quick holiday questions? Sure, let's do that. What's your uh, favorite Christmas song? Favorite Christmas song? I'm going to go with Hark the Herald Angels by, uh, oh, what's the band that does the, uh, uh, I, I forget their name, but they do all harmony. It's not actual uh, instruments, uh, but they do all the vocals to it. And Hark the Herald Angels sing. It's really oh, good. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I am uh as a Christmas baby, I, I, I this time of year, uh, I have about a thousand plus Christmas songs in my uh, iTunes playlist. Hello. 
And I'm not even embarrassed to admit it, but uh, I'm more of a, I, I like the classic Christmas songs, uh, you know, uh, from, oh my gosh, I'm going to say it, Dean Martin. and uh, Dean you know, Martin's classic. And is, uh, baby, it's cold outside. Sorry for anybody offended out there, but I'm not offended because I'm not, uh, I'm not a wimp. Uh, oh, so sorry. That, let me, let me, let me issue a correction there. Pentatonics. Oh, okay. Pentatonics. Good, good, good. Mark the hair. Uh, but I love the old Bing Crosby, you know, Mele Kalikimaka yep. is the island way. Um, yeah, no, uh, you know, it. I, but yeah, all the old classics, uh, it, it's yeah, I'm, I'm that that's where I come from. I used to listen to the Christmas albums with my grandmother, uh, the old vinyl. And, uh, you know, so I just I have an affinity toward the the, the older stuff. Fantastic. Gotcha. stuff. Gotcha. But, Favorite hey, you, Christmas movie. Oh, this one is easy for me. Uh, it's got to be Christmas Vacation. I love Christmas Story. We watch it every single year, but Christmas Vacation has got to be my favorite Christmas movie. You and my entire girlfriend's family are obsessed with it. I well, mean, I will it is tell you, out of this world. Here's a little thing. It, it very funny. So my wife this year, uh, she we always get pajamas for Christmas Eve. That's our tradition. We open them up on Christmas Eve. Well, this year she got us all matching. Uh, shirts t-shirts but each t-shirt has a different thing themed around the christmas uh christmas vacation movie like my ah. son has a jelly of the month club t-shirt love mine, that uh, yeah mine has the quote we're the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house so <laughs> uh hers has the old merry christmas merry christmas merry christmas my ass kiss his ass merry you know so <laughs> and then my good. daughter's Those is good gifts and then my daughter says happy, happy, happy is christmas uh so yeah that that's that's the movie man Definitely the most quotable Christmas movie of all oh, time. Of course. I'd say for me, I'd go with Deck the Halls, Danny DeVito, and Elf with uh, the uh, lovely Will Ferrell. I love Elf. Elf is a great movie. That's a that's a great one. You know, actually, a very underrated, but I bet you it's going to be a classic in a in a few years. Uh, is the Christmas Chronicles on Netflix with Kurt yeah. Russell? Oh, Kurt that, Russell killed that. That movie. was a fantastic movie. I was Completely shocked. Underrated. I, 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 I didn't even realize that. But, yeah, that was a fantastic traditional Christmas movie. And, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so it's I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, Brandon, I hope, uh, you know, I know Drew's been taken away by the Krampus. And I'm, I oh, hope humbug. he comes back and, he, and Santa Claus rescues him. But, um, you know, I, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, it's been a fantastic 2019 uh filled with uh what this is our 13th or 14th episode I think we're right uh, around there. of uncle and the young bucks so it, it it it's been a fantastic 2019 i want to wish you a happy new year merry christmas to you and yours drew wherever you are uh same thing to you and and just hey that and merry christmas to everybody out there listening to us and we appreciate the uh, listenership and we appreciate uh, everyone out there all right christmas to all and uh, to all a good night. Drew, you're getting cold, by the way, buddy boy. Bye, humbug. See you guys later. Thanks again for everything.